What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Amatelica Tiaiers podcast. Here with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this Friday, September the 23rd, the year 2022. Lots to do here on this program. We will recap the Browns' 29-13 to uh, 13 victory over the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday Night Football. We will d- dissect and discuss and recap that. Week 3 preview, of course, and picks against the spread as far as the National Football League is concerned. Ravens and Patriots, Bills and Dolphins, Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Broncos. Last to do as we uh, are set to begin the uh, final weekend, the final NFL weekend of the month of September and the third uh, weekend of the new and young NFL 2022 NFL season. But where we will begin is with matters of the NBA, NBA, excuse me. Two things that I've been wanting to address for a long time. The Ime Udoka scandal going on up in Boston, and then of course the uh, Scott Server, the uh the owner of the uh of the uh, Phoenix Suns. I'll do Ime Udoka first. Okay, as the news was broke that it that uh that the Boston Celtics decided to suspend him for the entire 2022-2023 NBA season after an investigation by independent law law firm, law firm, excuse me, uncovered multiple violations of team policies including having a consensual uh intimate relationship with one of the uh, with a uh, Boston Celtics uh employee. Um, it's said, you know, and just the huge firestorm that has come, that is uh, come and that has, uh, manifest and, uh, and created itself as a result of this. Okay. I have a couple of things I want to say on this issue. All right. Um, first off with the, the way, let me just get this out the way first, the way that the Boston Celtics have handled this situation has been has been completely piss poor and has been completely just terrible, weird, um, out of the ordinary, and and just and just a cluster of of absolute chaos. Because you look at it like this, right? And I and listen, if you want to sit up here and play morality police, go ahead. Um, me personally, if it's me, I'm a one, I'm a, I'm a one I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, quote unquote, I am a quote unquote, what they call a one woman man. I, you know, I'm loyal in that regard. If I'm in a serious relationship as it on the outside appeared that he and Neil Long, if you don't know who Neil Long is, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, look her up. Um, in a relationship where I, where I believe that they have a kid together. Um, let me, t- let me, you know, I, when I'm in a relationship such as that nature, okay, I'm loyal. I'm there until one of us decides to say good, to, uh, to say good night. So that's, that's just me. And if I'm in a relationship like that, I won't, I'm loyal to that woman I'm in that committed relationship with. But having said all of that, the questions that that rise with me is that, and I'm just giving you my reaction from when the sto- from when the news story first broke. Okay, if it's really about Ime Udoka and him violating a team rule with him with his infidelity, 
then why then why the the half truths and the sneakiness of it and why was it when it first was brought to our attention why was it why was it made known of the public's business why why was it made known of the public's business i understand teams have rules and listen, I live my life and have been living my life ever since I started working. I was 16 years of age, following by the old school adage where you don't, sh excuse, the, excuse my French, where you don't shit where you eat. Ever since I've been in the workforce, since I was 15, 16 years of age, I've, I've lived by that model. You do not shit where you eat. Period. So we can also go in that obvious direction by telling you, Doka, listen, when you're at work, business is business and and romantic relationships and sexual relationships and things that matter, matters of the of the of uh, of the heart and what happens below the waist to keep that out. Keep that outside of the uh, outside of the uh, confines of work. You know, if the if the keep keep it keep it outside of the confines of work, because because one because when you mix the two of them and and you're at there at work to do a job and to make an on and to make a living and to put food on the table and you sit up here screwing around you know guys with some girl or girls with some with some guy that's when that and things such as this happen and things get messy. So you don't sit up there and you don't flirt. You don't make any, uh, any, uh, any romantic comments. You don't try to shoot your shot. You don't say any anything suggestive or or you just stay out of it. I think of more people around the country, you know, live live their lives, you know, by that by that own personal code of conduct. It'd save a lot of people a lot of heartache, pain legal fees and a whole lot of other foolishness so that's just me and i and i graduate from that school you, you do not shit where you eat you do not sit up there and fart around and screw around with women or if you're a woman man a man that you work with you just don't for the sake for for your own benefit for that other person's benefit if things if uh, if things you know when when the shit hits the fan and the relationship goes to hell and also for the betterment and the be for the benefit and the betterment of your employ of of your fellow co of your fellow coworkers your employees and then the people that are on the same that you know that are on the same level with you as far as you know your title and your pay is concerned because now, when when the Celtics are about to go through training camp and are, and are coming off of a season where they had a two uh, where they had a two one series lead against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals back in the summertime, as the uh, as coming into this year as the NBA's run as the NBA's runner up as the NBA's runner up excuse me and the Eastern Conference champions Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and the whole crew Al Horford are going to have to you know when training camp breaks they're going to have to hear 90 million questions from the Boston media about about essentially their head coach having an affair with with someone with some with someone who works within the Celtics organization and a huge firestorm of that and did you see any signs did you notice anything and also was there any inappropriate uh you know sexual harassment in the workplace 
uh, you know, going on, going on with anybody else at the same time. You know, did you, did you hear E. May Duk, you know, shoot a shot, you know, with someone that works in a trainer's room, with someone that works, that works in the film room, someone that works at the ticket box, all of that sort of unnecessary stuff, which, which isn't, which isn't fair to any of those players that didn't ask. They didn't ask their coach to do this, and and this a didn't ask their coach to do this, and b, you know, they it's totally unfair to them. They didn't want that situation. Their job is to come to work, bust their ass, train so they can win basketball games and win the Boston Celtics championship. Now they're gonna have to come and I and I and I could look up when the exact date is, but pretty soon they're gonna have they're gonna you know come to camp and and Jason Tatum instead of him talking about you know how does this team plan to rebound this season after after blowing a two one series lead to Golden State they're gonna hear ninety million questions about uh about Ime Udoka's whereabouts and his uh and his uh and 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 what and what woman you know was he shooting a shot with and who he was fooling around with behind closed doors and that's not fair to any of them. It's not fair to Jason Tatum. It's not fair to Al Horford. It's not fair to any other coach on Ima Udoka's coaching staff. It's, it's, it's not. It's not fair to the fan base. It's not fair to anybody. Outside of the two people that were screwing around, it's not. It's not fair because they because they didn't ask for it. Which again goes back why you do not defecate where you eat at. But I but I also understand that I, that not everybody, for better or for worse. And whether I like it or not, not everybody, you know, lives by that own by by that old school, uh, you know, code of personal code of conduct. I understand that not everybody lives by that. I do. Quite a few few other people do, but not everybody, you know, when they when they talk, you know, when you when it goes to their philosophies of of romantic relationships and th- and, and how they engage with their sex life and then this that and the other they don't they don't carry themselves that way for a perfect example my bro- my brother's girlfriend worked w- works with him works with him now that's his choice he's 18 years old grown ass man in college that's his choice if he decides he wants to do that fine I can't. I. I can't. And what I think doesn't mat. Doesn't matter one way or one way or the other. But it's his life. He makes his choices, and and he makes the choices. He has to deal with the consequences, good consequences, and whatever negative consequences that comes with it. But that's his choice. That's his decision. So, a perfect a perfect example. Me and him don't operate that way. Him a little different. If it's me, I'm not dating. Or fooling around with 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 any with with any uh, with any female coworker of mine, I'm not doing it. I don't care how attractive I find them to be. I know if I find them that attractive, that attractive, I'm hell bent and I'm hell bent on on dating them or get to know them on a more intimate level. I'll find another job and work someplace else. I I am not screwing around with 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 a with a woman of whom. Of whom I, I, of whom I, we share the same uh, boss that signs our checks, direct deposit. But you get the idea. But you know, it's uh, it's it's this with the whole Udoka thing. It is very, it's very because first off, you're not also gonna, you're not gonna be able to convince me that somebody 
I don't know who, and I don't know what the reasoning is, but you are not going to convince me that there wasn't some person within the Celtics organization that wanted this story to leak out. I understand eventually what's done in the darkness comes to light. I understand it was only going to be a matter of time. You know, you show up to training camp and email you dokas nowhere to be. So I, I get that. But somebody, but the way it it was released to Woj and the other, I forget his name, this the Sharam Sharam guy, whatever his name is. It, some though, and the way it was discovered uh, by them, it was able, and the way that they were able to get access to the story, it was leaked by somebody, somebody prematurely or didn't necessarily make a full. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, uh, thorough job of saying, of saying, look, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Our head coach won't be here, you know, and give him that sort of information. You know, this is what this is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is what he did. He's going to be suspended. Team did the best. This, that, and the other. And as a result, whether it's somebody from the Celtics. Internally, that went about this shady, or the media, the Wojas and the ins and the inner and the insiders of the world not doing you know their due diligence or their homework. As a result, what we got yesterday morning was Ime Udoka is going to be suspended for the whole season by the Celtics for essentially having an affair. Which, when you read that and you hear that on the surface from a fan's perspective, it's it reads the likes of the 42, as in the movie, the 42 version of Leo DeRocher, where in the 42 version, he essentially got suspended that the entire 1947 season for, you know, with him and him and the commissioner's office having a frosty relationship. And uh, and the commissioner's office had a bug up his ass with Leo, and he found out that he was having an affair or whatever, and they and they put him out the pasture as a result. Not that that's not what happened to Leo DeRocher in real life. That's what happened in that in that movie that came out about nine years ago. Christopher Maloney playing Leo DeRocher, who was fantastic. Of it, those of you obviously know him. Uh, as a as a Elliot Stabler on Law and Order SVU and Law and Order um, organized crime, um, and then it also reeked the likes of um, what, what was the what was the other situation? It also reeked reeked the lights of um, I'll find it in a minute because I brought it up to uh, to one of my buddies, but it it looked odd. It looked odd. It smelled odd, and it was very. Very weird and out of the ordinary. So that is where I stand with that. Because somebody within the Celtics organization, somebody, I don't know who, either they have dirt with, either they had dirt that they wanted to unleash on Ime Yudoka, they're out for blood, or they had a beef with them. Either way, somebody within the Celtics organization wanted it to leak to basically give it off and and and, and seem like e that we that we wanted Emei Udoka out over something as petty as this. I understand breaking team rules. I understand you can't have head coaches sleeping around with everybody in the organization. I get that. I understand that. 
I refuse to believe that Ime Udoka and the 75 year history of the National Basketball Association is the only coach or anybody with authority within an organization that's had a little internal affair, no pun intended, with somebody amongst the organization that signs their checks. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And thus, as a result of us, the public, hearing this weird story on Thursday morning, Thus, of course, with it being a, a odd, unusual, unorthodox scandal within the world of sports, what happens? Twitter's going to Twitter, social media's going to social media. Then all of a sudden you see, you know, you hear the mentions and jokes are made and pictures are being tweeted out of female of uh, female employees within a Celtics organization that email Yudoka may run into on a day-in, day-out basis, or at least once, twice a week, this, that, and the other. Then all of a sudden you get this huge firestorm, and then it's about, you know, defacing women's character, and it becomes a huge mess, and you got to have Brad Stevens out there and defend their honor at the Celtics press conference earlier this afternoon. When simply this all could have been avoided, if the Celtics, and this is the other point I'm getting to, if the Celtics organization would have just had the wherewithal and would have had the common sense and would have had the, 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 the foresight, the vulnerability, and the transparency to say who E.M.A. Udoka was having the affair with too. Because it's not like that E.M.A. Udoka was just having an affair and that was it. No, no, no. The thing that would got his ass in trouble was that he was doing it with somebody within the Celtics organization. Which of course violates the, the the rights and laws of this contract, which means that some, that there was somebody also within a Celtics organization that has their checks signed by owner Weish Gerlschback, whatever his name is, the owner of the Celtics. That you know the Celtics, are, you know, feed their family and help pay their mortgage and pay their bills just as much as the Celtics do with Ima Udoka. Somebody also should have been named, whoever it was. Forget the take the emotions and all the crap out of it. If it's really about violating the team rights, being in and, and engaging in in sexual relations in the workplace, in the workplace with another coworker, then I don't give a damn who it was. It should have been that 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 female that woman individual along with Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka should know better. He's the leader of men within that locker room. He's the head coach. He is the uh he is the second third uh you know, when you go down the food chain, he's like the the second third in command with those players. So I'm not excusing him and his behavior and what he did. Actions have consequences when you shit we eat, pal. Stuff like you being suspended for a season is going to happen to you. But a lot of the unnecessary drama and the chaos could all have been avoided if the Celtics would have said, we're suspending Ime Udoka, having an, violating team rights, violating you know team policy for having an affair with X, put her name, put her picture out there. People can sit up here. They can make a little sly jokes. Have fun with it if you wish. And then we can move on about a merry way. Instead, they only gave us 50% of the truth, which left the internet to do what the internet does, create their own theories, and make their and make their distasteful jokes slash distasteful jokes slash inappropriate and out of place and out of context comments. And then all of a sudden, you got the firestorm that's going on. That's what you have. Because on the surface, suspending a coach 
for simply having an affair in the workplace seemed rather seemed odd, seemed weird, out of the ordinary, and extremely over the top and unnecessary. And if you can even argue that still suspending him for the full season is unnecessary, unless it comes out that he, you know, that he, that he was involved, you know, that he committed a crime, sexual misconduct, rape, anything like that. But as we know, as of this point in time right now, that does not appear to be the case. To which I don't think you, why you suspend them a season. If it's really about right and wrong and it's really about uh, breaking the rules and, 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 and being a um, and being a uh, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A. Um, a legalist and practicing in legalism and by the book letter of the law, then why is he still employed? If it, if if it's really that cut and dry, that cutthroat, we catch you, boom, you're gone. Why are you internally suspending him? Raises the question. Something the whole the whole way this has been handled has been fishy and has been rather high uh, the, to quote uh you know Chef Skinner in that uh, in Ratatouille the whole thing is highly suspect that's that's what this is highly suspect highly suspect. Just working out the intricate, and if things change, things change. And we find out the email Udoka, you know, was a, uh, and I understand that there was rumblings of how he have how he made unwarranted, you know, uh, unwarranted, you know, uh, and, and and was inappropriately flirting and had made an inappropriate flirting for Tate's comments. Do you like it? Do you like that? Do you want to hear that? Hell no, absolutely not. But you know. I I can't look at it and make Ime Udoka out to be a Harvey Weinstein in this situation until more either gets found out or more information gets released. If we're talking about sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape in the workplace, a la something like Deshaun Watson, then we can make turn it into a more serious conversation. We say, oh, okay. Well, for whatever, but even then, it still doesn't explain why they would take the liberty, liberty to suspend their own guy and not leave it up to the NBA unless there was something that they wanted, unless there was something for them to hide. But if that's the case, which at this moment in time doesn't appear to be, then, you know, we can take the pro, we can look at this a little bit more differently. But as of right now, it, something definitely looks off about this situation. It does. It, it, it does. And for anybody out there, you know, that and I read and I read this and I heard and I and I read this and I heard this today. Um uh but it's it you know, the 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 Celtics are just as much to blame as anybody because they let the narrative again, they let the narrative get away from them and it's got everybody and their mother out guessing, you know, pulling uh theories out of their ass about you know about what exactly Ime Udoka did, and now you got you know some people that are sitting up out there trashing his character as far as like him, him making him out to be a Deshaun Watson as than any other, and now the things are a complete mess.
But if the Celtics just would have would just would have been uh, just you know just would have been transparent about it, would have been forthright. We would you know and would have laid it all out there. We wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation. But um. But let me tell. But let me tell you. But let me tell you something right now. And I. Uh, and this won't be a necessarily, you know, popular opinion. But I could care less. You know. Let me tell you something right now. I for for those of you in uh in Black America, and you know who you are on TMZ, Baller Alert, World Star, uh, the Shade Room. Can we not? Can we not hold sympathy parties? for and uh and and basically can we can we not pedestalize Neil Long in this situation please can we can we not I understand it ain't no fun being cheated on I understand the heartache the pain the the misery and and the messiness that goes with a breakup and with goes with a with a long time you know, fiance, longtime boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, husband, wife. I I get that. I understand all that, and I can sympathize with any human being when it comes to that level to to a certain point. But uh, come on, we we got more. We got more people that 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 need that need our sympathies and need our sorrow and need our sympathy and empathy than Neil Long. I mean, let's 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 call it like we see it. The poor people in the Caribbean with and in Puerto Rico with the hurricane that came through, the the you know the, the the poor people of Mississippi and I will say something about that next week. I haven't had the time to because the show's been just been so damn busy with the NFL. I, how about the poor people of Mississippi that are sitting up here having you know having a stomach Brett Favre with, with this welfare scheme. And the people as after the after they had after they had just. Uh, after they had just um, uh, after they had just had the water water issue, where they where they couldn't use any running water, and the water that they did have running was brown was was brown as hell. I mean, like, come on. I understand, you know, a, a cheating is cheating, and this, and they do have a kid, and they do have a kid between the two of them, which which makes which makes it worse. So, if anything, my heart goes out more to the kid more than anything else because the kid didn't ask for this. But I mean, but come on, I we're, we we can we not sit up here and and make and make Neil Long out out to be Coretta Scott King, please, please, please. To my knowledge, they were they were engaged for years. Not not a year, years. I don't mean to to you know to be the love doctor and give love advice, but to but if a woman is with a dude for that's engaged with them for years, plural. And I don't you, know, you can sit here and say, well, they no intent to get married. I don't want to hear it. You you with you with a dude that. Is that for whatever the reason doesn't want to make you his wife, and doesn't want to commit to you, for better for worse till death do us part. And you stay with his ass, and you have a kid by him. That's your that's your fault. That's your problem. It's your fault, and your problem. A you problem. 
If a dude makes it clear and obvious and sends the signs that they don't that they don't want to commit for whatever the reason, then that ain't on that ain't on uh it is on email for cheating. But I mean hell, if if he if he gave you all the signs and we don't know all the intricate details, but just from afar this is what I think. This is what I think and my perception based on based on what I've seen. If 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 that seems to be the case, then the only the only person who's 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 uh, who's the idiot who's the fool in this situation is her. Not a popular opinion, but that's what I but that's what I think. That's what I think. It's it's just you know you you give you know if you know what you're getting into then don't then you know I can't necessarily you're getting into. A situation with, uh, you know, with someone who, for whatever the reason, is showing sign is showing signs and doesn't want to, you know, commit to you. And for whatever the reason, with with this long term engagement nonsense, then I'm sorry, you should have left when you had the opportunity. It's tight, but it's right. And the fact that, you know, you got these, you know, people throwing themselves on Twitter at, at, uh, at Nia Long goes to show if, if the, if, if the no names on Twitter are throwing themselves at a woman based on movies she did, uh, you know, 25 going on 30 years ago and she's 51 years of age with, with a, with a child or so, she'll be fine. Okay. She'll be fine. She'll, she'll, she'll find somebody else. Is it will it will not be the end of the world and the end of our times that uh, that that Neil Long ain't with Ime Udoka, Okay, sorry that it happened to her. Sorry to the kid that they to to their kid that they share. But I mean, at some point we gotta put our priorities in check and 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 and, and put and and hit the reset button on what's more important. I'm not gonna. And I'm not gonna be crying myself to sleep at night, be over over things not working out between Ime Udoka and Neil Long. It's just I'm sorry, I'm not. Anyway, the other scandal that I want to uh, touch on is Scott's server, and the fact that and listen, I, my opinion on the commissioner has really been indifferent at best. I think he is a. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't really look at him. I don't. I don't look at him like with like he has any power, any authority. You know, there's never been that time where he's been put in a tough spot where he's got to make an unpopular decision. So, like my opinion, I have. I don't love uh, Adam Silver. I don't hate him. I'm indifferent towards him. But but what uh but what Aaron but the his punishment. For Scott Server, the owner of the of of, of the of the Phoenix Suns, was 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 gutless and was weak. I'm sorry, I got I got I got I got call it the way I see it and tell like it is. It was weak, 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 soft and gutless as hell. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, did he come off as defensive. Remember, it's the same guy that was taking bows and was accepting, you know, essentially the Nobel Pre- Peace Prize for for doing the easy, and that is canning uh, Donald Stur- Donald Sterling when he was caught on tape saying a whole bunch of uh, spewing a whole bunch of uh, 
vitriolic racist things about black people and uh and and hispanics and other minorities i mean i could have came i could have done that when you especially when you, when you get when you got your player constituency threatening not to play playoff games i mean anybody could here it is you know off season during football nobody cares Derek, you know aaron judge races 62 and and uh, Albert Pujols was racing 700 home runs. Everything was throwing uh, college football. Nobody in the world's thinking about the NBA at least in a month of September. Yeah, I mean, and here it is. You know, we'll 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 we'll, we'll slap, we'll suspend them for the whole season and slap them with a, with a little million dollar fine, which to him and a whole lot of other billionaires is you know he can, it's like spitting in the Atlantic Ocean. It's such a light of a fine. I mean, it was it was weak, it was gutless, and it was cowardly, and good for LeBron James, and good and good for uh, Draymond Green, and every other player with amongst the NBA constituency. Chris Paul for calling him out on it, because because in that situation, Adam Silver came across as a complete and utter phony. Talks a big game, all this talk with the Black Lives Matter stuff and get out and vote and no NBA games during election day, this, that, and the other. And yet he sits up here, you know, just like Goodell and all the, and all the you know, and all the commissioners that get a bad rap, specifically him. And he essentially is no, is, is no, is, is no better than Roger Goodell. Covering his ass and covering the owner's ass. Suspend, we'll suspend you from the, for, from the arena and from team facilities for a full season, and we'll slap you know a, a million, a some odd million dollar fine on you. I mean, really, suspending a coach and suspending a player is different than suspending an owner. An owner can, an owner can, you have owners in sports that voluntarily not go to the games of the teams that they own, and if they do want to watch them, they can watch them on their eighty inch flat screen in their million dollar mansions. I mean, get real, Adam. Please. Now they're work now after you know PayPal said we don't want to deal with this racist anymore, and you hear, and you heard rumblings from all the other players amongst the NBA consistency. Now all of a sudden, you know, we'll work for it to get them banned and get them to sell the team. I mean, and that, I'm sorry, that that re- that really changed my mind and really altered the way. Uh, I I hold Adam Adam Silver within my mind and look at him as a commissioner and as a person because because quite frankly that's weak sauce, that's that's weak that's pathetic that's uh, that 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 that's gutless that's spineless it's coming come on Adam this dude sitting up here if 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 the investigation was proven out that that he was making that he was making uh, racist and misogynistic comments. You know, misogynistic, sexist comments about women and racist things about black people. Ain't gonna sit up here and allow him to keep the. It's suspend him for the season, yet allow him to keep the team. I mean, really? Asking Chris Paul, uh, Chris Paul, uh, uh, Devin Booker, black men to, to, to play for him. Monty Williams, who's a black head coach, play. For, I mean, come on, really, really. He sit up here and give us the Black Lives Matter stuff and the days on the and the games on Dr. King Day and I mean really, you're saying one thing and you're doing the other. It's what they call being a fraud and being very, very, very hypocritical. It shouldn't have to take pressure from sponsors and your and your 
players and your league's consistency of players to do to do something. And and I mean doing something as in coming down hard and kicking his ass out of the league. Not farting around and screwing around and pussyfooting around, excuse my French, you know, with with a, with a little fine suspending him for a year. That's weak. I was very down on Adam Silver for that decision. Very, very. It, cha- it changed my opinion of him. Changed my opinion of him or as a commissioner. It changed my opinion of him as a person. And they were sitting up here in the press conference, you know, announcing that, getting all defensive. Adam, who come on. Getting too big for your britches. Bottom line is you have an owner that makes up your league that that gives off the appearance and and and, make, and beats their chest and pounds their chest that they're the most progressive and inclusive uh you know league in all of American professional sports and yet they got an owner sitting up here saying nigga this nigga that and and calling women's bitches and get in the kitchen and and make me a sandwich and and cook my and where's my and saying all all sort all sorts of and spewing all sorts of crap like that Probably saying bitches and hoes and, and and all that other sort of stuff. I mean, really, suspension is not good enough. Should have been should have been on his ass to make sure he was kicked out of the sport right from the jump. It shouldn't have to take LeBron James and Draymond Green on his podcast to 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 to, uh, to for you got for you guys to get the message. We're just getting started. NBA hit the top. Hey, why not? Two big items in within that league, and it's off season in September. Take a break. We'll get to the National Football League. This is the I'm Tell I Can Tell You's podcast. Welcome back to the Yamas Helicatelias podcast. We switch gears to the National Football League with the starting with the uh, Thursday night game last night as the Browns defeated Pittsburgh Steelers in a twenty nine to seventeen AFC North divisional matchup. The game, honestly, watching it live, uh, of course, obviously watching it live, but watching it last night, it was a much better uh, football game as far as like the quality of it that I anticipated. I was expecting a first team to score 13, 14 points, first team to kick, uh, what, uh, what, eight, six, six, uh, about, no, the first team to kick six field goals and or score two touchdowns was going to win the game, but it was, it was a, uh, pleasant, entertaining game to watch. Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in all of football, and he is the guy that is going to be called upon here the, uh, until uh, early December to keep the Cleveland Browns afloat while Deshaun Watson is suspended. But he, with the 23, carry 113-yard, uh, one touchdown uh, performance on the night. A sensational job by him. Also, good job by Jacoby Brissett. You know, Jacoby Brissett, who's bounced around. Of course, you heard it at Infinitum last night, and if you've 
I've been watching and have been a football fan for over the last six years, six, seven years or so. You know his story. Drafted with the Patriots, third QB on the death chart, obviously behind Brady. And then at the time, Jimmy Garoppolo takes the place for Andrew Luck when he was hurt. And when he, uh, and he, well, not when he was hurt, but when he, uh, uh, unceremoniously to a shock to everybody retired at the back end of the preseason a few years back and now he's in uh, was uh, backed up to it in Miami now he's with the Cleveland Browns I tell you they, they didn't do a bad job 21 to 31 220 yards passing two touchdowns uh two touchdowns on a solid night for him Amari Cooper who which was a very underrated uh free agency signing uh, not just uh, not specifically with Cleveland, but just within the National Football League landscape. Uh, at, you know, of course, with you and you had all the other uh, nations. You know, with the Tyreek Hill trade and Allen Robinson going to the going to the Rams and Devontae Adams, and so it, it got that move got got uh, kind of lost in the shuffle as far as you know when you when you talk about the free agency frenzy that took place back in the springtime. Uh, over the off season, a few uh, qu- quite a while back, earlier this calendar year, but that is that was that that is a very very good signing by Cleveland, and a, a signing that will pay them dividends and certainly has uh, helped Jacoby Brissett last last night. Seven receptions, one hundred and one receiving yards, and a touchdown catch for Amari uh, Cooper, had a, who had a very very good uh, night at the office last night. And we also see the absence of Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys, as we've discussed also uh, the first two weeks of the uh, of the uh, Cowboys season here this month. Uh, but this loss, you know, it, it speaks about the Pittsburghs. It speaks about the Cleveland Browns, their toughness, their ability to bounce back, you know, five days after their uh, – their horrendous collapse at home against the Jets on last Sunday, and it speaks to them, Kevin Stefanski, how it's how they flushed that game, they flushed the result, uh, and the ending down the toilet. Fresh start, next step. They move on to the next game, and they go out there. You know, they it looked like it was going to be pound for pound them in Pittsburgh, and then they pulled away with a thirteen with a, and then they pulled away with a solid a second half outscoring Pittsburgh in the second half, sixteen to three. Uh, in second half of playing, Pittsburgh was only able to put up a field goal in the fourth quarter. Um, with Pittsburgh throughout, the, and we'll dissect the, and we'll dissect their problems, uh, the, and I dissect their problems here in a minute. But um, but I do not have a problem with Tomlin deciding to kick a field goal because when you're down, because when you're down ten points, it doesn't matter how you get the points. Uh, you do you if anything, especially with Pittsburgh, which had a, which has a uh, which had a hard enough time moving the ball, and has had a hard enough time uh, uh, moving the ball downfield as is. You know them taking out every taking out uh, and juicing every single ounce and every single second of clock to move the ball downfield to put the ball in the end zone when they're going to need to recover the onside kick and still have enough time. To uh, to march down the field, score a touchdown, and tie the game. I do not have a problem. You had I heard you know you heard a lot of rumblings, uh, you know during the broadcast and with the fan base and and people on Twitter about um about them deciding to play it safe on the fourth and short and kick the field goal. I got and I got problem with many things that Tomlin did last night, but uh, that is that is not one of them. When you need ten points, it doesn't matter how you get them or what order you get them in. 
in my personal opinion, it's best if it's best if you uh, if you march down the field as quickly as possible and take little time off the clock, especially when you don't have all three of your timeouts left. Get down the field, get in the field goal range, kick, get your kicker in position to make the to make the field goal, and then uh, and then and then you know you hope and pray you recover the onside kick. And then if you do cover recover the onside kick, you got enough time to where even if you feel like you have to go all the way down inside the five yard line on your next offensive possession, uh, you would give yourself enough time on the clock rather than milking the clock down to about like thirty seconds. You recover the onside kick at about you know your your opponent's forty five yard line, and then you got and then you got to you know find a way to get down the field in twenty seconds. And you're and you know and having to manipulate the clock and, every, and manipulate the clock and everything else. So I did not have a problem with that. I did have a problem though with Mike Thomas' decision putting the ball down nine points on the fourth and five, less than five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That I, that I do have a that I do have a problem with. That I do have a problem with. Because you cannot, because and and this ain't the first time Tomlin has done this. Tomlin, over the years, with within recent memory, has made himself in the has made himself a notorious, notorious, notorious conservative decision maker with his deciding with his choosing when to go for it, when to punt, when to punt, when to kick a field goal, you know, when to go for it and when not to go. He's notorious with that. He does not. He is not cut from the. Brandon Staley, John Harbaugh cloth of uh, of being aggressive and going for it on uh, on on fourth and fives and shorter when they when they need to put the ball in the end zone or when they need to uh, you know we need to put the ball in the end zone to either tie the game, cut down the margin, or to keep pace with an opponent. That's just not like Tomlin's way, and I think that's to the detriment of him being past his expiration date. He should have been. He should have been long. He 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 should he should have long not been the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. He, you can make the argument he should have been fired after the 2017 collapse. When well not collapse, but when they got well when they talked all when they talked the big game and then Jacksonville came into the building and punched them in the mouth and they lost a first round. Uh, well for them first round Jacksonville. So a big time underdog uh, second round playoff game in their own building could make the argument that Thomas should have been gone then. Definitely, and he and if there was any time that Thomas should have been canned, it should have been after the eighteen season when his team had the division in their back pocket and somehow choked on their own spit and collapsed down the stretch and blew the division of Baltimore and ended up missing the playoffs altogether. Definitely should have been fired in 18, and the coup de grace should have been in 2020 when they started the season 11-0, collapsed in the back end of November and all through the month of December, and let the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield come in their building, no fans albeit, but come into their building and absolutely just embarrass them in front of, uh, in front of America. Uh, on that su- on that Sunday night in early January of 2021, so he so it was th- three opportunities that if I was running a franchise, Mike Thomas should would have been would have been out of there by now, and this is the result that you get for allowing him to keep around. He doesn't change with the times, doesn't evolve with the way that the game. I'm not saying every single time he's got to look at his data sheet and look at the Microsoft Surface going for every single fourth down he comes across, but you know you got to be able to read the room and read. The uh, the you know read and see how the game is going, 
And he and it's almost to the point with Tumman where he decides to play it conservative and doesn't take a whole hell of a lot of chances with his decision making. It almost at this point seems like he's doing it out of spite and doing it out of stubbornness than it is him making than it is you know trying to make than him trying to make sense of it and trying to go out there and put his team in the best position to win a football game. But I had a I had a big issue with that. And and Stefanski and his guys are ready to play, and they had a solid game for the most part. But I did not understand Stefanski's decision. Third and one with Nick Chubb, who ran rampant over the uh, over the New York over the uh, the Jets on Sunday, and had a, a sol- and and was running the ball fairly well in the or- in the early uh, portions of the game last night. Why on a third and one he decides to throw it? I abs- I absolutely have no that I-, I have absolutely no idea. But another thing with but getting back to Pittsburgh and getting back to Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin, you know I I I, I don't I don't get it. This team is, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers play as an outsider, someone who's nice, they are boring, they are dull, they are lethargic, they are uninspiring. It's at least when at least when T.J. Watt is on the field. When T.J. Watt's on the field, it changes a little bit. But when T.J. Watt is on the sideline wearing a sweatshirt, a hat, and got the uh, and got the Bose headset on, you know, not not playing not playing in the game, not dressed. This it, it, it especially what I just stated shows with Pittsburgh. They're a they are a boring, dull, bland, lethargic. Uh, stubborn and dirty baseball team, the or baseball team, football team. The hit that Okafor put on Anthony Walker that had him leaving the game, uh, leaving the game in an air cast on the stretcher. I mean, really, we're we're still we're still doing we're still doing it with 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 the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're, we're still doing this here with 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 the cheap shots, the dirty plays. The uh, you know the not not playing the game you know with uh, not not playing the game you know head and shoulders clean cut above everybody else we're we're still doing the same thing with the cheap shots I mean you had T J Watt you know had a on uh, on one of the no one T J Watt it was an interception I believe that T J Watt had week one of the Bengal game and I believe Cam Hayward you know cheap shots Joe Burrow trying to quote unquote block for him. And then last year, when they came to Cincinnati in November of 2021, he T.J. Watts get into pissing matches and is essentially trying to pick a fight, and he wrestles Joe Burrow down, uh, Joe Burrow down to, down to a ground, down to the ground on I on I believe an interception that Joe had in that uh, in that uh, game against Pittsburgh back in November. I mean, really, it's 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 the stuff like that where you people where you you know you ask Bengals fans, you ask Browns fans, you ask Ravens fans, or any football team that that or that that doesn't uh that do, that doesn't that doesn't you know root for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you ask them why don't they like them? Well, you you see you see why. You see why? Because they sit up there and they pull that underhanded, uh, they pull that underhanded. Deceitful, dishonest, sketchy crap like that, with the cheap, with the with the little cheap shots, little dirty plays, you know that you know that they pull off, and that they pull you know when the refs' backs are turned, hoping it's hoping that no that nobody catches them with their hand in a cookie jar. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I, that's one reason why I can't stand Pittsburgh. 
Can't stand him. Can't uh, always hated Pittsburgh. Always have. Always will. I can't stand that damn team as far as I can throw them. Can't stand. But they are a boring, lethargic, uh, uninspiring, dull, stubborn, repetitive football team to watch. They they do not watching them play does not make for entertaining football games. Week one against Cincinnati, notwithstanding. But even with their game against the Patriots last week and or last Sunday, and then against uh, and then against Cleveland last night, makes for some boring ass football. I got I got to be honest. The the I, I still cannot comprehend why how in the hell my Bengals lost to this football team. I understand T.J. Watt, but T.J. Watt wasn't there on offense. I mean, my goodness, this is a bad bad football team. They they are not that good. Not that good. They can't. They can't run the ball. The receivers can't catch. Mitch Trubisky stinks. You know we, we got Kenny Pickett still sitting on the sidelines f- because reasons. I mean, it's just the play calling is is, is beyond pathetic. Is beyond boring. Is beyond cowardice. Matt Canada, why he's employed by Pittsburgh, I have absolutely no idea. This is just a bad football team. A head coach who's past his expiration date. Uh, you know, an an offensive coordinator that do, that doesn't know his ass from his elbow, a average at a a pretty average borderline subpar roster on offense. What they're waiting for for Kenny Pickett, I have no idea. Mitch Trubisky, outside of one overtime drive against Cincinnati, when they literally were playing on fumes in Week One, about the damn near play for them. outside that one drive, he's shown me nothing. With as as with his career, nothing as far as his career at the Pittsburgh Steelers is concerned that warrants him to still hold the starting quarterback position. Not a damn thing outside of that one drive. And, and even then, if you watch if you watch that game in all objectivity, that loss or excuse me, that win for Pittsburgh was more about the Bengals' ineptitude and self destruction than it was about you know the 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 genius and the greatness of Pittsburgh. If you're looking at it fair, if you're looking at it objectively, Pittsburgh had no business winning that game, if we, as we've discussed 90 million times. But Mitch Trubisky shows you nothing. He does not inspire you. He plays timid. He plays scared. Doesn't want to turn over the football, and 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 the coaching staff of Pittsburgh doesn't want to put the game in his hands in a, and put the put him in a position where he can make some plays with his arm and actually throw the ball to George Pickens once in a while. And when you when he does, he makes stupendous catches like he did last night. But I don't know what it is. They don't trust him. I, I that, that has to be the case because the dink and dunk and the because the dink and dunk with the with the with the with the timid play calling and decision making, it's not going to cut it. And if your goal Pittsburgh is to win games and not tank, then keep doing then then whatever you're doing is 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 not is not winning you many football games. It isn't, and it won't as 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 the season wears on. You don't run the football very well with Najee. Your receivers your receivers outside of Pickens, you know. They they can't catch worth a damn. Deontay Johnson, Claypool stinks. Uh, Pat Fryermuth was, was was you know had to almost send out a, a search warrant for him. He was, I mean he he I mean Fry, Pat Fryermuth the tight end got four targets, and two catches. I mean as your tight end, just in, just as the tight end out there on the field, it's just it's not good enough. And if you're Pittsburgh heading into the season, you knew good and damn well. That you're not a Super Bowl contender, 
There's tons of Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. You are not one of them. Your chances of making the playoffs slim to none. I mean, how many times I got to say it? You know, I'll keep picking them to finish below 500, and one of these years I'll, I'll eventually get it right. I mean, in a stacked AFC, there was not a ch- unless unless a lot of unforeseen stuff happens, season-ending injuries, and 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 you know, act and acts of God take place. There's no way in hell the Pittsburgh Steelers were are go- were heading into the season were a going to be above 500, b make the playoffs, and c sure as hell not sure as hell be a Super Bowl contender because because they, because because the, they because they aren't. But they got to check the ego at the door, get with the times, and maybe see again giving Kenny Pickett a chance. Unless you want to, unless you want to continue to lose football games, scoring less than uh, you know, scoring less than uh, scoring no more than seventeen points. Team's good for one, two touchdowns a game, and that's it. The rest of their offense got to rely on their defense. And they scored 23 against Cincinnati. And they only put the ball in the end zone one time on offense. The second touchdown they got was the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six. And after Pittsburgh next week, they got they got a gauntlet of a schedule with Buffalo on the road, home against the Bucks, uh, at the Dolphins, and then across the state to Philly eastward to play the Eagles. A brutal after the Jets game. They have a brutal month of October, and by the time they head into their bye week, Pittsburgh could be, you know, let's if they say they lose to the Jets for sake of conversation, one and three, four, five, six, seven. They could be heading into their bye week one and seven. They could take. They could steal a win or two if they. Go ahead and they get and they start and they play picket. But this Steelers team is is not, is not very good. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know how the hell the Bengals lost to them. Uh, I honestly don't. Bad offensive line. It, it's a horrendous play calling. You know, with with uh, with their coordinator and then Tomlin. You know, punting punting it on every fourth and short. At or at or around midfield, he he has the opportunity to. I mean, come on. Just getting the football talk started on the week three. As far as the Sunday action is uh, concerned, this is the Amatelicatelius podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back in the flash.
Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIS podcast. To the games that are taking place on Sunday, we'll go back then we'll go right down the list from Bills, Dolphins, the 49ers, and Broncos. I think in all objectivity that the Bills and Dolphins game is by far the game of the week of the week three uh Sunday slash Monday night uh slate. It is by far the best game uh for two reasons. One because one because it's a divisional game and two the way that the Dolphins played in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter, and the comeback that they had against the Ravens, uh, the comeback that they had against the Ravens uh, last week in Baltimore definitely uh, heightens up the drama, the anticipation, and the hype coming up for this matchup. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills, as we discussed earlier this week in their Monday night victory against the Titans. You know they they are just they they're just a damn good football team. They are just a you know what the thing is. Uh, and Mad Dog uh said it earlier this week, and I give him credit for this, and he's a thousand percent right. It's almost as if the Buffalo Bills have been playing the first two games of this season as if it was a week after the Chief loss. It's almost it's almost as if after that Chief game, which was on. January, which was on January 23rd. It's almost as if like the, it's almost as if they had like a week off in between and then it's the resumption of their season because literally out, outside of an addition of Von Miller and I understand, you know, nothing is ever quite, you know, nothing's copy paste, obviously. Brian Dayball was with them in Kansas City for the playoff game and he obviously is uh, in New Jersey coaching the Jets, or excuse me, coaching the Jets, coaching the Giants. But outside of really him being on the coaching staff and the addition of Von Miller, it's almost as if it's like the same team because they are just as feisty, they are just as hungry, they are they are playing they are playing so pissed off and playing like they have something to prove and playing with that chip on your shoulder. I'll show you I took it personally mentality that if you're on their schedule this season, until they lose a game, uh, T's and P's to you, your players, and your coaching staff because they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you and make sure that they're going to end up uh, beating beating you as by any means necessary. And don't get it twisted. I think although... And and I think Buffalo Bills fans would take some of them would, would tell you this that they don't even if they do have them going to the Super Bowl, uh, they don't anticipate even if they you know they go to Super Bowl win the AFC win the whole thing win the whole you know or out there hoisting the Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy come February, even I think most logical Buffalo Bills fans would would say that they're not that they're not going undefeated. They're gonna have. They're gonna have a week or two some somewhere along, and I don't mean to dump cold water on the parade. It's just that you know it's been. There's a reason why we've gone what 15 years since the last perfect, uh, perfect undefeated uh, regular season. I mean, there's a reason it's been 15 years, and with more regular season games, they add the harder and harder it is 
uh, of a feat to accomplish. So I think the the logical and the same Buffalo Bills fan, they you know they can say Bills Mafia going to the Super Bowl. Hey hey hey, let's go Buffalo jump through a table. But even the logical Bills fan, you know, they know in the back of their mind that eventually. Maybe it may it may only be one game, may only be two, may only be three games. But there will be a time during the regular season where Buffalo, for whatever the reason, is just not the better team on that day, on that field, in that moment in time for a game. Or they run into a team, you know, that 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 are playing better football than them. But until that happens, they are going. They are a, a, a team that is going to let you know that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and you're going to have to pull out every trick out of the book, be per, perfect play. You almost got to look at them kind of the way you would play Kansas City. Remember 2018, 19, 20? How you basically, if you're an opponent playing Kansas City, that you got to. That you basically have to pray that all the stars align, that you don't that you don't turn over the football. Your play calling is perfect. You you may, you know how to manage your timeouts correctly. If you're playing from a deficit, you can't turn over the football. You got to execute on third downs when you're on defense. Got to get off the field. Like you basically got to be perfect in every single aspect when you, when when. when Teams will play Kansas City back in the 18, 19, and 20, se- 18, 19, and 20 seasons. Now, you know, Tyree Kill's gone. Team's a little different. Nobody's as scared as Kansas City now as they were uh, back, you know, back during their quote-unquote Super Bowl years of 2019-2020. But with this Buffalo team, it's you almost got to play them or not even not really play them, but you gotta have that mindset going into a game. Listen, we cannot make any mistakes. We can't beat ourselves with dumb penalties. We gotta convert on third down and get off the field on third down when we're on defense. We gotta be able to manage the clock properly, manipulate and use our timeouts and utilize our our challenges wisely when the opportunity presents itself. We we can we cannot give them an inch because when because you give teams like Buffalo an inch, they take not a mile but nine miles. And they have been so good the first two weeks of the season. Josh Allen hasn't skipped a beat, nor has Gabriel Davis, who practiced uh, earlier this week, and throwing Stephon Diggs, who's sensational. Von Miller and the defensive crew did it, has done an excellent job the first two weeks of the season. Leslie Frazier, the D coordinator, deserves a ton of credit. And they head into Miami. They go fly down south to Miami, taking on an offense team that's feeling themselves a little bit too. They are only a game back, as crazy as it sounds, first place in the AFC. Or, or in the AFC, no, actually they're tied for first place in the AFC South. Ice, excuse me. I think I had my day was I had myself thinking at two and one with the Thursday night game. We think they're two and zero, oh, uh, tied for first place with the uh, with the uh, aforementioned Buffalo Bills. And the winner of this game obviously would would uh, would claim sole possession of first place. And also, it could end up being a game depending on how well and how Buffalo season goes as we. Uh, wrap up the mo- the first month of the season in September, ahead into the month of October. Depending on how, uh, you know, this could be a game that Buffalo may not think it now, but come November, December, and Miami actually becomes that surprise team that comes out of nowhere and is chasing Buffalo's tail for first place in the AFC East. I don't anticipate that on happening, but I'm just saying, just for the sake of conversation, this could be a game that Buffalo, you know, can't afford to can't afford. To, I understand you play two of them, but it's a game you can't afford that you cannot afford to, you know, overlook and 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 uh, and and toss it to the wayside as if it's your as you know these ain't your uncles 
Oh, Buffalo Bills. Or excuse me, he ain't your uncle's Miami Dolphins. And two is going to have, do I anticipate two are thrown for six touchdown passes? Again, obviously not. A, I, a you can count on you can count on one two hands how many times that's happened within the last 10 15 years in the national football league for one two the buffalo bills defense is too is too damn good and uh, and, I, and 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 the third thing i don't anticipate if buffalo has a huge lead i don't anticipate them getting outscored you know 28 to 3 in a, in a single quarter, let alone have it have it be the fourth quarter in the back end of the game. Buffalo has a huge lead. The chances of them blowing it uh, uh, is uh, slim to none. But it's an intriguing game, big time AFC East uh, matchup. But Josh Allen versus Tua Tagovailoa. You got star power everywhere. You look, you got the speed demons and Waddle and uh, Waddle and uh, Tyree Kill on the side of Miami, and then on the uh, Buffalo Bills side with Gabriel Davis. And uh, Gabriel Davis and um, uh, Stephon Diggs. And the tight ends on both sides aren't too shabby either. With the likes of Mike Gusecki and Dawson Knox. Uh, this should be a very intriguing entertaining game. Both the defenses have improved. They got dogs on both sides of the ball. As far as, you know, with their defense. With Miami and, uh, and Buffalo. Should be a very intriguing, entertaining football game. Should be the best game of the uh, of the Sunday afternoon window. And then another game that uh that I'm that's important to keep an eye on is with the page speaking of the Ravens is their game against New England up in Foxborough uh coming up on Sunday. You know, how will the Ravens respond defensively? You know, holding on to a I don't anticipate if they get out to like a if they get out to a 35-17 lead, I do not anticipate or some, or something along those lines. I do not anticipate uh, them blowing it to the Patriots. A, the Patriots' offense is when it comes to their star power, their firepower, and their offensive weapons. It, it is not even in the same stratosphere with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but if the Ravens hold on to a decent, to a to a decent surmountable lead, will the Ravens be disciplined enough? Will uh, their defensive coordinator and their play calling and their defensive uh, and their defensive schemes, you know, not essentially drag their ass and allow Mac Jones to rack up passing yards and garbage time touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter, which is what they allow Tua and the crew to do, uh, which is what they allow Tua and the crew to do uh, last Sunday at, last Sunday afternoon. But the Ravens need this game. More or less, as more or less for their ego and, and to and to uh, ease the you know ease the wounds like with Cleveland as we discussed earlier in the show, with Pittsburgh ease the wound and have that bounce back game off of a uh, off of a bad heartbreaking, uh, crushing uh, uh, choke job. The week before, they need this game more for the morale of the team and for uh, and for a uh, you know for their ego. I, and I don't think, and I, and listen, people, Ravens fans, you know, screaming at you all season, you guys are going to be fine. You beat the Patriots next week, you're 2 and 1, you move on. You're 2 and 1, you move on from there. And, and if you look at the Ravens' schedule, and let's pull it up as a matter of fact, you look at the, you look at the Ravens' schedule, the Ravens got a whole hell of a lot of, uh, games that they need to be concerned about that are that is on their schedule down the road than Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. I mean look let's look and see who the Ravens play on my electronic uh facts and figures book. The Ravens in week number four 
host Buffalo. So if there's a so if there's a game, members of Ravens flock up there that you want to be overly concerned about and worry yourself to sleep at night, worrying over it's next Sunday hosting Buffalo. That 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 my friends is the game. That's that's the game where you're like, oh holy crap, you know this is a, this is put up a shut up time. We can't allow Josh Allen to go crazy. That's the game. This on Sunday against the Patriots. Is just making sure you don't sleepwalk through it and you come out with a nice, solid victory to build up to repair the morale of the team coming off of last week's loss and building it up and so they can have a little bit of confidence heading into the uh, heading into the Buffalo game a week from uh, a week from Sunday. As far as with the New England Patriots are concerned, they had a gut, they had a gutty, gritty, albeit boring victory against Pittsburgh. Uh, well, they did a nice job. Now, listen, shutting down the Steeler offense ain't exactly a hard task. And if there's any coach in the National Football League that knows how to out-coach and coach in circles and beat Mike Tomlin, it's Bill Belichick. But uh, let's see if the if the New England Patriots and Mac Jones and their home opener up in Foxborough will be able to deliver the goods against Baltimore. As far as my Bengals are concerned, uh, Sunday against the Jets, you know, they, they, this is a game, ladies and gentlemen, that they have to have. I understand, you know, I tweeted, I rant and rave it on Twitter and, and and Instagram Live all over the place about all seasons over this and the other, which I will admit was a tad of an overreaction. But uh, but in all seriousness, if they don't beat somehow find a way to beat Joe Flacco on the New York Jets, they might as well. And this is me, not me being emotional, overly emotional, overreacting, prisoner of the moment. And being and being a uh, and being a um, a fickled fan, this is just the way it is. You go on, you drop the zero and three and lose and lose to these damn Jets. I understand a comeback against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, excuse me, against Cleveland. Be damned. You go zero and three and fall to the and fall to the Jets for the second straight year in a row after you after y'all got ambushed on Halloween night by uh, by Mike White of all people. You, you guys might as well shut down, shut down the shop, rest bro for the rest of the season, tank for a top, top ten, top five draft pick. Uh, get you know, tell call the National Football League and tell them to to get the, your your primetime games against Baltimore, against Cleveland, against Pittsburgh. Get them and even Thursday night with the Dolphins for that matter. Get get them off national TV. And just and just go away and hide into the obscurity of the one o'clock window with Sparrowditas and and say good night for the rest of the 2022 season. If you can, if you can find a way to get your first win of the season and beat the Jets and Joe and Joe Flacco in Week Three. I mean, they, if they, you can't win on Sunday, I don't want to hear about no playoffs, no winning the AFC North, no Super Bowl, none of that. Just just good. And and if you're Zach Taylor, you might as well uh, pack up your office. You with Frank Pollock. And, and and anybody else that that may piss me that may piss me off if you guys lose God forbid on Sunday, you guys might as well pack pack up your offices and make room for uh, Sean Payton and his crew to come in there because you you just straight up cannot have that. But I do think uh, and Lyle Collins, who was inactive at practice all week, showed up at practice today. It looks like Jermaine Pratt will not be a go for Cincinnati coming up on uh, coming up on Sunday afternoon, but. 
this is a game, you know, and I've written after I've calmed myself down and, you know, kind of, you know, talked myself off the edge, so to speak, kind of like reset my emotions and how I feel about this team as the week's gone on with practice, hearing Burrow and hearing Taylor meet the media. I, my optimism on them winning on Sunday, after the game on Sunday and on Monday, it was at about a, it was at like a two my optimism meter for them beating the Jets on Sunday. Now on Friday, heading into the weekend, it's more or less at a six, six and a half. I there's part of me that somewhat feels confident in that, and that the Cowboy game was the wake up call, and that it's do or die time. We got to move. We got to be a little urgent about this. The the calendar slowly but surely is about to turn to October and if we still don't have a win by the, at least by the time especially by the time at least by the time the Thursday night game comes next Thursday against Miami when we, when we come back home we, we're, we're in a heap of trouble especially when you look at this schedule and they have in week and in week five they got Sunday night against week five they got Sunday night against the Ravens got a couple well, the Saints game isn't necessarily a layup they could easily lose that game but you take Joe Burrow over Jameis Winston, and if when watch Andy Dalton be the starter for that game and come back and be just like he did with Dallas in 2020. Uh, then I got Atlanta week se- week seven, which is a le- which is a easy which is a winnable game. Week eight against Cleveland, which which will be a tough one on uh, Halloween night and week eight on Monday night. And then uh, and then week nine they have Carolina at home, which is an easy game. Uh, and then they have a bye week, week 10, and in week 11, they return off their bye, and they got Pittsburgh on Sunday night. So they got a couple of easy games with the NFC South, the difficult ones being uh, being the Browns, being, of course, uh, the Saints. The, the When they return off their bye, they got Pittsburgh on a Sunday night. And then of course this Thursday they got uh they have they have to take care of business against Miami. But this is a game that if, that unless you all want me to to lose my sanity and really see and you guys really want to see me lose it, go ahead and lose to the Jets and see and see what happens. Because the Jets are coming off of a high in which a game last year, week one, 2019-18. 20, 2017, you name, you pick the year within the last eight years or so. That's a game that the New York Jets are not winning against Cleveland last week. What happened? They battled back. They showed some gut. They showed some guts. Showed some toughness. Robert Sala went into a, went into his bag of tricks. Pulled out a fake punt play, which I liked and helped lift the morale of the team early in that game. So, come on. Bring your A games. Last year you got last year y'all allowed a touch you allowed, you know, a touchdown from the Philly special when you played them uh last October. Don't sit up and get fooled and get tricked again with 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 uh you know getting caught with your pants around your ankles again running the with the Jets running the trick place. Don't let that happen again. As for the Bucks. And as for the uh, as for the Bucks and as for the Packers, which is the 425 game of the week, uh, this one a this one of a uh, of a uh, of a um, on as a, a Fox special between the Packers and the Bucks. This is a game, in my humble opinion, that the Packers need more or less than the Bucks. 
because a we know that the Bucks the Bucks have beaten the Packers in the past when they came when the Packers came to uh, Tampa back in October of 2020. Uh, the the Bucks beat the hell out of them, and the Bucks, of course, went up to Lambeau Field and beat them in the championship game later that season. And we, and you know, and we know Brady and that team, you know, they they rise to the occasion against a top level opponent. Whether they be whether they be they have issue with the Rams, but but for the most part, they rise to the they rise to the occasion with the top opponent in the NFC. With the Packers, we have not seen that yet. And with the Packers, you know, they can go out there and beat the piss out of the Chicago Bears at home in Lambeau on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night football until they blew in the face. They can beat the hell out of the out of the garbage of the NFC North, which in previous seasons you included the Lions in it. They can they they can they can beat up on the Chicago Bears until the horse content until the cows come home. The bottom line is the litmus test for the Chicago Bears, excuse me, the litmus test for the uh, for the uh, Green Bay Packers, for, for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers is not beaten up on the garbage of the NFC. Whether that whether that be the whether that be the Bears, whether that be the Lions, uh, uh, whether that be in years past with the Giants, the NFC South uh, 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 sands the Bucks. Doesn't matter. The Seattle Seahawks, I'm not interested. Their, the, the Arizona Cardinals, who cares? The bottom line is, how are they going to measure up against the Bucks? Two teams you got to get past. The Bucks and the Rams. They've played well against the Rams in the past. But Matthew Staff, but Matthew Stafford, it's a different story. But with Matthew Stafford as their QB, different story. But when I talk about the Rams, the Bucks are in the schedule. This is the litmus test to see where the Packers are going to be for the rest of the season and how and how serious of a threat of a contender they are in the NFC North and to come out of the NFC based on how they play against Tampa on Sunday. They go out there and Aaron Rodgers throws you know an interception or two. Miscommunication with his wide receivers. Receivers are dropping passes left and right. There's no cohesion and he's throwing his head up to the side, excuse me, up to the sky and moaning and groaning and belly aching on the sidelines and they lose the game, you know, uh, 21-3. That's not, that's not, that's not a, uh, a, a ringing endorsement for me to believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to make significant noise in the NFC. What will is if they go out there, Rodgers buckles down, plays well, and they grind out a victory. Defense gives Brady hell uh, with a solid pass rush and force a couple of incompletions and maybe get a turnover off of them and they win and you, and you win the game 24-21 or 24-14 or 24-10 or 24-17 or 24-21 ah that'd be some that'd be some different but you know lo- and but losing you know 17-10 or losing, or losing in a in a in a blowout like you did when you played them in Tampa in October to in October two years ago. That's that that if anything, it's going to be panic time for the Packers or or raised eyebrow time, I should say, for the Packers, and more more than it is commending the Bucks on a you know on a solid victory because I know what the Bucks can do. I know what Brady can do. What can Rodgers with his new young wide receiver core? What can they do? 
Is Aaron Jones going to be able to run the football as proficient as he did against Chicago last Sunday night? That's that's going to be something I I will be interest, intrigued to see for the Bucks home opener coming up on Sunday. And then as for the Sunday night game with the 49ers and the Denver Broncos, listen, I got to see some offense with the Denver Broncos. They finally, for once, put the ball in the end zone when they, you know, when they had the ball inside the Texans' red zone, which for the which for the first few first two weeks of the season, it look, it's the equivalent of splitting the atom for them and sitting and sitting through a root canal if you're their fan base or have anybody on the uh, Denver Broncos offense on your fantasy team. It's 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 just it's been work to trying to get them to put the ball in the in the end zone when they when they got when they have the ball inside their opponent's twenty yard line. Uh, but they, in order to beat the 49, this 49er team, they got to be able to put the ball in the end zone. Even even if you're the Bears, you you can put the ball in the end zone twice, mix in a couple field goals, three times the better. You know, the, your your chances of winning football games goes out goes up. And I understand, you know, and this, and that was with no Jimmy G, obviously with Trey Lance behind center. But you got to be able to score. Got to be able to. Score. You if your offense is anemic. And puts up, you know, three, six, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen points, and all Jimmy G's got to do is put together, you know, a few solid drives here and there, and and have it be eighty, and have him do just enough for to to uh, to help the 49ers put the ball in the in the end zone. Then Broncos gonna look one and are gonna be one and two by the time we're talking on uh, on Tuesday afternoon. That's just all there is to it. And from the Broncos' side of things, you know, the defense played fairly well first two weeks of the season, but fairly well has not been fairly good enough. Why they help, Why they made again? Geno Smith looked like Russell Wilson in his rookie in his in his earlier years in Week One with the phenomenal first half he had last, you know, in Week One, and they kept. I understand in a large part due to the Broncos' ineptitude, but. You, you got to be able to make more plays against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans than they did, uh, than they did on than they did on Sunday afternoon. You, you just have to. I mean, you go back and you look at how they played Sunday against the Houston Texans. I mean, you got to give me. You got to give. You're, I'm supposed to take you seriously as a Super Bowl contender, and you guys are fighting, fighting and scratching, clawing your way. Out. And granted, they held Texans out the end zone. Give them credit for that. But I mean, no turnovers, guys. No turnovers. Davis Mills did throw the ball thirty-eight times. I mean, no turnovers. With an offense that's with, and I tell you, and I and when I've noticed this also too with the Bengals as well, when your offense is having a hard time putting the ball in the end zone and scoring touchdowns, things that if your offense was popping and it was scoring. Like it's supposed to on a regular common thread on in a, on a regular basis, things like uh, things like a defense not forcing turnovers, something that may be minute if your offense is averaging you know twenty four to twenty eight points a game, it all of a sudden gets amplified. Me as a Bengals fan, kicking and screaming, we need a turnover. Why? Because the team is lifeless. Dead and the energy is not the same when the team is struggling to move the ball downfield and can't put the ball in the end zone until the fourth quarter. Same thing with the Denver Broncos. When your team and your offense is having problems, scoring points, putting the ball in the end zone, 
simple things and things that you would notice if your offense wasn't struggling, like lack of like lack of takeaways, gets amplified. You're gonna need some takeaways to take down the 49ers. Because now that Jimmy G is back, it's gonna be business as usual, back like they never left. So if you're the Broncos, you gotta be prepared. If you're San Francisco, as as long as you don't care how far the Denver Broncos drive, keep the ball and keep the big keep the limit the big plays, keep them in front of you, and keep them out of the red zone. And make Russell Wilson work, make him frustrated, make him flustered, sitting back there behind center. Your week three preview, your week three picks is next. I also got something to say about the Apple TV stuff, which uh, which has driven me crazy as of late. We'll conclude the show with the I'm you're listening, excuse me, you're listening to the I'm like a TIS podcast. Before I get to the picks with with uh, week eight, with week three in the National Football League, let me just give you a, cu- a baseball note before we get involved in that. Uh, let me tell you something right now. It is an absolute utter joke and an utter embarrassment that uh, that the Red Sox and Yankee game tonight is going to be on Apple TV. You know. And 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 if you don't know the reason why it's a big deal is because Aaron Judge is is he has tied uh, Babe Ruth second all time with the most uh, with the most home with the most single season home runs in Yankee history. He's one home run away from tying Roger Maris, who holds the American League, the Yankee franchise, and depending on who you ask, the Major League Baseball. A single season home run record that is sixty one. He needs, excuse me, one more to tie and uh, two and uh, two to uh, to break Maris's record. And it is an absolute joke, a disgrace, and an embarrassment to the sport of Major League Baseball that he that hit that that game. And it is a good chance that he will break it. That he will at least. Ty Roger Maris tonight, which is a huge, huge deal. Friday and Fridays in September, pro sports wise, still belongs to MLB. There may there's maybe uh, there's a handful, and I do mean a handful, a couple here and there that you got to look for college football games. But everybody knows in the fall, college football, you may have a few games here and there on Thursday and Friday, but it dominates 
and it rules the roost on Saturdays. Okay, October NBA season starting and nobody cares. November college basketball hasn't. We're we're quite. We're still two months away from the college basketball season to start. So in the month of September. NFL, uh, you know, steals the steals Monday night and Thursday night, but baseball still has Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday to themselves on the pro, on the pro slash major collegiate level. Yeah, you got your high school. Yeah, you got high school football, but the high school football team I care about, Baltimore, Maryland, isn't necessarily the high school football team you care about in West Palm Beach, Florida, or in Orange County, California, or in uh, or in Los or in downtown Los Angeles, or in Dallas, or in Houston, or in uh, or in Canton, Ohio, or Cincinnati, or or Toledo, or Akron, or Cleveland, and it, it's all it's it's regionalized. Big deal, you know, foot, foot Friday nights from September to November dominated regionally, uh, and, and, and the football attention goes from NFL on Thursday nights to high school on Fridays, Saturday college, and then Sunday NFL. But again, it's, the, it's your local and or the high school that you graduated from football that you care about. So baseball still has, at least for the month of September, they get they still have their Friday nights to themselves like they did in August, July, and June after the NBA Finals uh, concluded. They still have it to themselves. And the fact that the game that we assume it, that is going to have Aaron Judge hit the rec- the American League and Yankees franchise record tying single season home run on in in the, in the game's gonna be able to that's a that's a joke and that's an utter disgrace. It is a joke. It is laughable. It it's it's a disgrace. It is. It's a disgrace because let me get it's because it, it is baseball once again fumbling the big time moment. Not not being not being conscious, not being aware, not having a clue, and Rob Manfred and the people up in the commissioner's office being lost and not being totally in tune to what the fans want and what the fans desire. Okay, the sport of baseball in and of itself, it's got the oldest fan base out of all the four major sports. Baseball's got the oldest one, the oldest one. The oldest one, okay? The game has, as far as popularity, it has dropped off significantly with members of my generation, Generation Z, whether they be fit, whether they whether they be 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 years of age. Whether they, whether they be the Zennials, which are 26, 27, 28 years of age, or the Millennials that are no younger than no younger than 29, 30 years old and are no older than what 40, 41, 42 that are that were born in 1980. Okay, the game's popularity has dropped off exponentially between the last two generations. Exponentially. And it is unfair to the baseball fan, whether they be the diehard Yankee fan or the casual baseball fan, it is unfair to them 
unfair to them that they all season long have had to on Friday nights when there's a game, whether their favorite team plays on it or there or there's a matchup on a Friday night that they want to see, and they got to sit up here and fumble around and 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 go ahead and look for the games for them to sit down for three and a half. Three hour, forty five minute, four hour, and watch those long, tedious marathon baseball games. It's unfair to them. Older fan base, technology, and the new age that we live in, twenty first century, is complicated enough as it is. Okay, the old farts don't want to sit up here and waste twenty minutes either finding the app on their phone if they have an iPad, finding it on an iPad, the smart TV, finding it on the smart TV or the app or the Amazon Fire TV stick or the Roku. They don't want to sit up here and deal with that. You can debate whether or not you agree with it, but the bottom line is they don't want to deal with that. And the, and the, and to spring it on them, you know, be early, beginning this season in April. Oh, Apple TV, here you go. You should have been trying to go on a treasure hunt to find the games. I mean, that, that, that's that's rough. So I understand what the old people are dealing with. And, and the second thing, and this thing really, really, really bothers me more and makes no sense. The idea, well, we'll put the game on Apple. T- we're putting the game on Apple TV to grow the game. With the, this is the response MLB gives you. Well, we're putting the games on Apple TV on Friday nights weekly to you know to grow the game with, with and with and, and grow it and build and build the the popularity of the game with the younger demographic. What? What? Really? Really? Let me t- let me clue you guys in up up Major League Baseball. Let me clue you guys in on something. I last for for all full disclosure last week, okay, my Orioles were up in Toronto playing the Blue Jays. Last week's C- series opener Friday last Friday night it was on Apple TV. There. And I, of course, obviously, that hard Oriole fan, and at that point in time, them sweeping the low-life Nationals stole some house away with four and a half games back, but it's not about the Orioles right now, it's about Apple. I was intrigued to watch the game. I always, anywhere, I don't care what where the game is at, I, I want to watch the game. Orioles are playing, they've had a good season uh, compared to you know previous ones. I want to sit down, I want to watch the game. Friday night, nothing to do. You know, I want to sit down and watch the game. Still baseball season. I'm still watching Orioles playing meaningful baseball games in September for the first time in five, six years. I want to sit down and watch the game. Okay. There is not a 20-year-old college student outside of the outside of yours truly whose voice you're listening to right now. There's not a 20-year-old college student on the planet that is sitting around their college dorm or coming home, working, coming home from trade school or, or getting off their nine to five or getting off their 10 to six. There is not a single 20 year old young adult male on this planet outside of yours truly that is coming home on a Friday night in the First thing that pops into the head is to sit down for three and a half, three hour, 45 minutes, four hours long to sit down and watch a baseball game in the month of September. There isn't a 20-year-old outside of me on this planet who is doing that. 
not w outside of me, but I let's pretend I don't count. Stano snap, I don't exist. There's not a 20-year-old on this planet that is doing it. There's no 20-year-old, there's no 21-year-old, no 22, no 23, 24, 25, 26, 18, 19, 17. There's nobody doing it. Nobody outside of me that, that is on, the, on, a, on a Friday night in September is going to sit down and search for the Orioles and Blue Jays game on Apple because it's on, and watch it because it's on Apple TV. Why? Because everybody's on their phones all day. What? Major League Baseball's honest to God. Their logic was because just because everybody is on their phones and for the majority of us got iPhones and are on it 24-7 that, you know, and we and we scrolling through, we're bored stiff. We're scrolling through apps and saying, oh, hey, there's the uh, Apple TV app. Let's click that and then let's click that, go to watch now and, uh, you know, and, 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 and go through two scrolls. Oh yeah, Friday Night Baseball, Orioles and Blue there's not a single Gen Zer on the planet outside of me who's doing that. That is the that is the, the, uh, you know what that is? That's insulting the baseball fans' intelligence. That's what that is because there isn't a single young young person, whether they be a Zennial, a young millennial, or a older Gen Zer. There's not a single person on the planet outside of me that is willingly going to watch a baseball game or willingly watch baseball, period, let alone it being on Apple TV on a Friday night in the month of September or a Friday night in August or a Friday night in July or a Friday night in June, May, or April. We're not doing that. You know what we're doing, Apple? We're out partying. We're at the club. We're at restaurants. We're at the bar, getting drunk, getting crunk, getting laid, and having some fun and having some laughs. And if we're at a sporting event, if it is a baseball game, we're we're more likely to be there in person than sit down on our asses and watch it for three and a half, four hours long. If we are at another sporting event, we're at a, if we're at we're, we're at a, we're at a high school football game, we're at a college game if we can follow on a Friday night, or we're at a concert, a comedy event. We're do, we're doing something. Binge watching Netflix, watching do for, we're doing something besides sitting down for four hours to watch a long, tedious baseball game on our on our on our iPhone 13s with Friday night baseball with Katie Nolan behind the microphone. We're not doing that. You guys went to Apple TV because they gave you two hundred million dollars for it. That you're that you're in the hole with, or you're at, or or you're in the hole at, because you didn't want to put the games on ESPN anymore. So that's the baseball fan gets pissed on. The older Yankee fan in his 40s and his 50s, 60s, or, or God bless him, his 70s and 80s, that wants to see Aaron Judge do something that he hasn't seen that he hasn't seen since he was around my age. And that's it, 61, 62 home runs in a season. He can't find it because he's got to sit up here and call up his grandkids. Hey, can you find the game? I don't know how to work the Apple TV. What is a smart TV? I don't have one of those. Gotta go out and buy one. Can you find why can't I find a Yankee game? 
Oh, it's on Apple TV. Is it on my phone? I don't have the Apple TV app on my phone. They can't see Judge hit 61, 62, and they can't see Albert Pujols hit 700. Stand up till 5 o'clock in the morning and watch Cardinals, Cardinals and, 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 and Dodgers. I mean, really? And the, and the argument is, well, you, people should stop complaining, oh, it's free. Just because it's free doesn't mean it's convenient. If I decided tonight I wanted to go to the Orioles and Astros game, I could I could leave my car in my driveway at my house and walk to the stadium. Not after not have to pay for parking, pay for gas, free transportation. But is it convenient? Is it is it the easiest, most logical, best thing to do? No, it is not. And I don't, and, and and with me, it's not an issue of being able to find the games. It's just that I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to work to find the games. Me growing up as a kid, did I have to, did I have to find the Orioles game on DirecTV back in the day and with files? No, I knew what channel the game was on, turned the channel, boom, Orioles game was there. I didn't have to find it. As long as they knew what time they were playing and knew the two, the one or two stages they'd be on, I'd be able to find the game. I shouldn't have to go on a, not to say that I can't do it, but why should I have to go on a scavenger hunt and work to be lazy and work to be entertained? If I want to work to be entertained, I would go to the game myself. If I can't go to the game myself because they're not in Baltimore, or if I don't feel like going to the game myself, I want to watch it on television. I have to jump through 80,000 hoops and take 20 minutes to, to pull up uh, George Springer hitting home runs all over the ballpark all of, over, off of Keegan Aiken. Take 20 minutes. Check, make sure the internet connection is right. Making sure that I'm going to the right thing. Making sure that I get that I get the, that I get the video in the best quality. Is the sound working right? I'm sitting up here last Friday night screaming, screaming and yelling my head off because I can't because I want to watch the Orioles game on actual television. I don't want to walk around with my iPad, with my phone, or sit at my desk for four hours. Watching the Orioles game on Apple TV Plus, on my computer screen, on this little iPhone screen, or the iPad. It's a good alternative, but, I, but unless I absolutely have to, if I'm not home, or for whatever the reason the TVs in my house are being used, or something's going on downstairs and I can't watch it the way I, the way I would originally like to, then they'd be nice alternatives. But if there's nobody, nothing going on in my house, and if I know I'm going to be home for the game... During the hours of which the game is going to be played, I want to sit down on my on my black ass and watch the baseball game for two and a half hours, for three hours, three and a half, three hours, forty-five minutes, four hours, four hours and fifteen minutes, five hours. I don't care. I'll sit down. I'll watch until I'm blue in the face with two picks. Keep my eyes open at three o'clock in the morning if I have to. I want to watch it on my TV.
In order for me to do that last week, I had to sit up here, I had to get my iPad, get get the Apple HDMI adapter, plug it into the television, plug it into my iPad, sit down and watch the game for 15 minutes with it being casted from my iPad to my TV, or for it to tell you, well, you can't sit up here and watch it because you're not allowed to cast movies for whatever the reason. Like I'm going to screen record them and bootleg them and upload them all on the 123movies.com. It's a joke. A joke and a disgrace. Two historical moments in baseball. A guy doing something that we probably will never, ever, ever see again. Hit 700 home runs for a career. And then another one trying to break a record that's 60-something years old. 61 years old to be specific. A record held by a Yankee, no less. That's a Yankee breaking it. At least trying to tie it. And some people can't see it because he's because got to stream again on Apple TV. With Katie Nolan behind the microphone. Which should, be, which, should be a, which should be a federal crime worthy enough to be thrown in jail for 15 years. Katie Nolan has a baseball broadcast on national television. You people see me try to tell me that white privilege and pretty privilege don't exist? Child, please. Week three picks. National Football League. In the league where they play. For pay. Game number one. Between the Carolina Panthers and New Orleans Saints. Panthers last time out, Chris McCaffrey dealing with some ankle issues all throughout week in practice. Saints are three-point favorites coming off of their loss on Sunday, last Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Giving the New Orleans Saints to win this game by the final score of 23-10. Game number two on our slate is between the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. Texans coming off of their Week 2 loss on the road uh, against the Denver Broncos. They fly to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears, who are licking their wounds coming off of their Sunday night loss against the Green Bay Packers. Bears favorite minus 2.5. Give me the Chicago Bears to win this game by the final score of uh, 24-21. The Kansas City Chiefs are six and a half point favorites coming off of their week two victory last Thursday night against the Los Angeles Chargers. They go to Indianapolis uh, to take on the Indianapolis Colts, who are still winless, uh, with their this being their home opener, by the way, at Lucas Oil Stadium, tying the Texans in week one, losing their first game of the season to the uh, to the uh, to their division rival Jacksonville Jaguars, their home home opener. Not an easy test to shut down Patrick Mahomes and the flying Kansas City Chiefs, who are at 2-0. Giving the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game by the final score of 31-21. Game number, uh, what, what are we going? Game number four on the docket for Sunday is the game, uh, is, is in my opinion, the best game of the week on, sket- on paper between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. 
Buffalo's favorite minus five and a half coming off of their Monday night victory against the Tennessee Titans. They fly south down to South Beach to take on Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins coming off of their come from behind comeback victory uh, with a with a tremendous 28 point fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens. Buffalo favorite minus five and a half. They are also two and old team in the AFC as is the Miami Dolphins. One team will no longer be undefeated after this matchup coming up on Sunday. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game and a grind up and a grind them out nail biter by the final score of 24. Excuse me, and by the final score of 24 to 17. The Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings minus five and a half. Detroit coming off of their first victory of the season, week two at home against the uh, Washington Commanders. While the Minnesota Vikings are coming off of their Monday night loss to uh, Jalen Hurts and the phenomenal performance he had on Monday night uh, in the city of brotherly love. Give me the Minnesota Vikings to get back on track, winning this game by the final score of 31-21. The Ravens are favored by field goal, taking on the New England Patriots. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game and the defensive uh, battle of the score of 23 to 17. By the way, just signed uh, just uh, Jason Pierre Paul uh, this week in free agency uh, on a one-year contract. Keep an eye on that as well. My Cincinnati Bengals four and a half point favorites taking on the New York Jets. Jets coming off of a come from behind last second victory against the against Cincinnati's uh, in-state division rival uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, while the Bengals, of course, are licking their chops, trying to get their first win of the season, coming off of their uh, embarrassing Week 2 loss against the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday. I picked the Bengals to win in blowouts back-to-back weeks. I learned my lesson. I will pick the New York Jets to win this game in an upset by the final score of 23-20. The Las Vegas Raiders are favored minus two and a half, taking on the Tennessee Titans, who Titans coming off of their embarrassing and deflating Monday Night loss up in Buffalo earlier this uh, earlier this week work week, while the Raiders are coming off of an embarrassing heart heart crushing loss of their own, choking in overtime in the fourth quarter to the Los An- excuse me to the Arizona Cardinals. Their favorite minus two and a half. Give me the Raiders to win this game by the final score. Of 27 to 20. As the Philadelphia Eagles go to Washington to take on the Commanders. Six and a half point favorites Philadelphia is. Give me Jalen Hurts and the crew to improve to 3-0 on the season. By the final score of 31 to 21. Jacksonville Jaguars fly west. 3,000 miles to take on Justin Herbert and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, who are seven-point favorites. Justin Herbert limited in practice this week. As of now on Friday, he is questionable to go in this game, but I will take the Chargers. Nevertheless, Chase Daniel did take the first-team reps for the Chargers all throughout this week. Give me the Chargers to win this game and a one that will be closer than a lot of people anticipate by the final score of 24-2. to 20. Give me the Las Vegas, excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams who are four-point favorites taking on the Arizona Cardinals. 
uh, in this matchup. Cardinals, of course, coming off of their throwing overtime victory against the Raiders last week. Uh, Rams coming off of a game that they nearly blew, 28-3 lead that they almost let slip away from their fingertips against uh, the Vegas Ra- uh, excuse me, against the Atlanta Falcons at home. Uh, Arizona as the Rams play their first road game of the 2022 season. Give me the Rams to win this game by the final score of 31 to 21. As we move ahead with the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons who fly west to play the Seattle Seahawks are one and a half point favorites coming off of their uh, coming off of their loss, which was a complete 180 from the week one performance against the Denver Broncos. Losing week two against San Francisco 49ers of Santa Clara last week. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to pick up their second one of the season and to improve to two and one on the young season by the final score of 17 to 14. As we move ahead to uh, the to the 425 game of the week on Fox. Between the Green Bay Packers and the San, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers home opener, their two and a half point favorites taking on the Green Bay Packers, uh, bounce back victory against the Chicago Bears week two on Sunday night. Tampa's home opener, they return, they come back home first time obviously since their divisional uh, playoff loss against the Rams uh, back in January, and they come back home two and zero after two grind them out games against the Cowboys and the Saints. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game by the final score of 24 to Excuse me. Let me read. Let me let's change that last second. 27-24 Tampa Bay over Green Bay. As we move ahead to the San Francisco 49ers who are favored by a point. That's right, a point going up against the Denver Broncos. Uh, who Denver Broncos, of course, one and one, uh, coming off of their first victory of the season, albeit ugly, against a Houston Texans team last week. A beleaguered Houston Texans team still looking for their first win. San Francisco got their first win of the season off the off- aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. They're favored by a point. Jimmy G's the starting quarterback. No more Trey Lance with a broken ankle for the rest of the 2022 season. Give me the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. By the final in a defensive slugfest, by the final score of 21 to 13, and the Monday night game between the Dallas Cowboys coming off of their uh, last second victory off my Cincinnati Bengals last Sunday, going up against the New York Football Giants, who believe it or not are 2 and 0, took care of business at home in their home opener against the uh, Carolina Panthers last week. They're two and a half point favorites. Monday night football. Give me the Giants to improve the th- to improve the three and zero on the season. Jerry Jones sitting up here farting around making comments that he would welcome a quarterback controversy if Cooper Rush plays well in the event that Dak Prescott comes back from his injury prematurely. I mean, it's just never going soap opera and just never going uh, unnecessary theater of drama when it comes to Jerry Jones and his football team. Give me the New York Football Giants to improve the three and zero on the season. By the final score of 24 to 14. And there you have it, your week three picks against the spread, and your week three preview of the Amatelit, like, or excuse me, your week three preview 
on the um, Until I Could TIA's podcast. So I had a lot to cover. Talk some baseball with the Apple T- with the Apple TV foolishness. Scott Server and Ime Udoka and be at the top of the show and in the meat and potatoes of the show. We uh, recap TNF game and, of course, week three preview. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please not hesitate to subscribe. Share it with your friends and family. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it is and the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Enjoy the NFL this weekend, everybody. I will talk to you to recap it all on Tuesday. Y'all be blessed. Take care. Stay safe. See you.